James has always been a little bit of a little bit of an enigma to me. And I think just doing this exercise has given me such a great appreciation for what he's actually trying to say. Yeah. And I think what what set the context for that was understanding that this was written very early in the book of Acts. So that he was dealing with things like it, for some reason that helps something click in my heart of being like, oh, okay, he's writing to people who are experiencing Christ. Really, this is uh, this movement is really still new, but they're still very Jewish in their expression of this, mm-hmm. and it just ties in a lot of the Old Testament and just saying, hey, man, like prayer and community and accountability, like these things are right and good because of who Jesus is and what He's done, mm-hmm. and He just does it in really powerful. Uh, in a powerful way, almost like he's, this is like a sermon in some ways. It feels like it, where he's just like coming, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like preach it, James, come on. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Movement Podcast. My name is Becca, and I have the honor of being the content coordinator here at Crosspoint. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to embody the life that he did, empowered by the Spirit. And that comes from reading God's word and obeying it together. And the best place to do that is in community. So as we study the book of James as a church, We want to invite you to join us as we talk through questions that we might have about the text that we're reading and feel empowered to dive deeper into the scriptures and then to practically obey it. If you haven't already, go back and listen to David Nasser's message at crosspoint.tv slash watch now. And I'm so excited for this conversation with our content pastor, Josh Reed, and our online pastor, PK. Welcome to the final week of the movement podcast. Oh, I can't believe that's that it's crazy. been six weeks. Yeah, uh, that's gone by fast. So sure. fast. It's oh. been so much fun though, just mm-hmm. to try something new and mm-hmm. get to sit and chat with y'all. It's cool too. For me, it's been, this hasn't just been work. This is something that like God's really using this to teach me how to read my Bible in community. So yeah. I'd be curious before we jump into James five, what has this podcast been for y'all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I think it's been, um, there's been some very convicting moments for me. Mm. Um, just as we work through, you know, uh, I think one of the highlights is the desires of my heart. It's the desires that are there and, and uh, why they're there. What's the motivation behind those desires? You know, the thing beth- behind the thing um, has been been one of those. And then, you know, we, we kind of kept coming back to family stuff with kids and, yeah. you know, and um, and how we interact with other people. Yeah. Um, and so James has been kicking my butt, you yeah. know. For yeah. a couple of weeks, you know. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, same, similarly. I, one of the things I've learned, loved, is just hearing y'all's questions and hearing your insights. I mean, it just the, the rounding that out. I was like, oh man, I never thought to ask that. And, you yeah. Know, just seeing how that that contributes to a well-rounded understanding of like coming to the realities of what's here and what James has for us. And then the second thing was. Uh, even diving into this week's uh, the patience and uh, with tongue and words and the emphasis James has on like our words mm-hmm. and the attitude of our heart uh, with, and then patience flowing from that. Um, man, I've I've been really convicted about yeah. it. So it's been yeah. really good. <laughs> <laughs> good and uh, hard, uh, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's how I, it should I, be. You know, the the constant reminder of repentance of turning from our ways yeah. and moving, moving back to Jesus. I think having people with different perspectives and life experiences and yeah. and to hear how God's word speaks to you and speaks to Josh speaks to me. Like yeah. it's just, it's just so helpful to get different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. 
it's cool. It's like seeing the body of Christ lived out. It's like there's still like a common truth to the Bible, but we all have different experiences that we're bringing to the table that help us understand it better. So yeah. anyways, I'm just really thankful that I got to do this with y'all and yeah. hear from, hear your stories and hear your experience. So yeah, same. it's been awesome. Um, I am also really excited because this is the last week of movement, but that doesn't mean that we are done podcasting. So right. super excited about the survey responses that we've gotten and just excited to take a look at what's been helpful for people, what hasn't been helpful so that we know moving forward and in the new year, what, um, how to plan and how to create material that's helpful for people in their walk with Jesus. So a lot to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Everyone stay tuned. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have a lot to cover today because James, uh, he goes out with a bang. I feel like I say that every week because every week it's (laughs) kind of a gut punch, but Um. (laughs) he definitely ends on a, with a blow. Yeah. Um, all right. So David's message was awesome yeah. on Sunday. If you yeah. haven't listened to it, definitely recommend going back and listening to it. Um, he talked all about patience, but the chapter five, man, the, uh, the video he showed of his brother. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Dude. I just, <laughs> I was like, just man, weeping a, the whole time. What a powerhouse for Jesus, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should, just chips and fridge onion dip. Yeah, in heaven, man. I was yes. like, my man. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> He was, and it was, that was, what a great perspective on life and on death. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. wow. Yeah. When he talked about you having sincere patience to other people looks like honor. I was so convicted. It's like, I know when someone's showing me patience, it's like written all over them. But if, if they're unaware, that means you're honoring them. So that was good for me to learn. Good. <laughs> good reminder. Okay. So let's talk about the beginning of chapter five. Um, James addresses rich people and David kind of told us, I want to say in not this past message, but the message before that, he gave us a little more context on the book of James that he's talking to um, disciples of Jesus that have, or Christians that have been scattered, but they're not like poor by any means. They're wealthy merchants. And so it would make sense that in this text, he's talking about, talking to people with money and about money. So Josh and our prep for this um, conversation, you drew a pretty cool connection between this part of chapter five and the rest of the book of James. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the church that he's writing to would be like any church. There's wealthy people and less wealthy people. There's, there's poor people. And so the, he's addressing the entire, the entire body. Um, But back in chapter three, Verses 13 to 18 is where he's talking about there's two kinds of wisdom. And we hit this a couple of weeks ago. There's mm-hmm. a couple. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom that's fueled by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And then there's a heavenly wisdom that uh, is from above. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle, etc. And so really chapter 4 and then the first section here in chapter 5 are three ways that that can manifest. Mm. Um, so he's really taking that idea in the end of chapter 3 and applying it. And, uh, you know, the, those ways are like how we treat others. And so do we, do we serve others or try to dominate them? Mm-hmm. And so the way we talk about others, what we say about them, the way we relate to them, is it, is it, a, is it a service or are you trying to dominate people for personal gain? 
because um, what this what this is fleshing out is how does the covetous desires of our selfish hearts manifest? Mm-hmm. These are three primary, really tangible, everyday ways that it happens. Yeah. The second is uh, laying out of plans and ordering our lives. Um, you know, is it for the God and His purposes, or is it for the making the profit, making money? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go into this town, make me some money this year. It's like, or you might die tomorrow. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <You know what's laughs> So there's like this sin of presumption for the sole purpose of just making money, profit. Mm -hmm. That's the second one. And then the third one is right here, and it's the stewardship of like the world's resources. And um, and I'm pulling this. I I was studying a little bit on this. There's a guy named Alec Matier, M-O-T-Y-E-R, who wrote a commentary on this, and it's really helpful in a lot of ways. But as I was reading through this and he made those connections, he said, man, how do we treat the world's resources? Is it, he said, the way that manifests from an earthly wisdom sense is like there's this possessive attitude. I just want to get and get stuff Mm -hmm. and and it's for my personal gain. And so this section, he lays out in verses one through six, three ways that he comes after uh, the wealthy because the way we misuse the world's resources are from hoarding, which would be verse two, basically, Mm -hmm. and three from fraud, from earning money and wages from fraud, which would be verse four. Uh, and then you have indulgence, self-indulgence from verses five and, and in some ways six as well. So, mm. I mean, it's really, really practical application of that right. last section of chapter three that I think is really helpful. It's interesting. When I was just thinking about hoarding, and you think what, about the show, like yeah, that's or what I think about. But I, the more I read it, the more I was almost thinking as of it as like a form of self protection or self preservation. Like it's, he says that your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will testify against you. It's like the things of this world are literally rotting away, and then you're gonna look back, and there's gonna be nothing left. Yeah, and so it's like you're using wealth to try and preserve your life, but it's actually going to fail you in the long run. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Because gold and silver doesn't rust. Right. Like they're metals that don't rust, <laughs> yeah. but he says they're rusting. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's like, mm. what? Well, how? Yeah. And so I think that's to your point is like um, to stash these things away. Like to Does have, it make sense? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. You're feeding your clothes. Your, all your extra clothes are feeding moths. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's so funny because I feel like this is all stuff that we like logically know. Like if you're a human, you know that when you die, you can't take your things with you. But there's still that innate thing in us, desire in us to still operate that way. So I'm curious, like, do you guys have any examples of how you've seen these kind of three illustrations play out today? Mm -hmm. Whether it's been something that you yourself have been a part of or you've been a victim of or experienced. For sure. I, I think it comes back to some of the, in chapter four, talking about the desires, the thing behind the thing, you yeah. know, uh, I think if you're, you're hoarding your stuff to be able to be like, look at me, look how much I have, Yeah. you know, that, that you're missing the whole point of, you know, I, I've had, um, you know, people in my family pass away and go through, you know, some of their stuff and maybe you guys have too, or you've gone through family members things and you're like, oh man, why did they keep this stuff? You know, why did they keep that? But in their head, there was some sense of value that was mm-hmm. holding to that, that, um, that they were holding on to so tightly, whether it was safety or security, or if it was 
just it made them feel good to have it, you know, yeah. like that they could or a memory or something like that, that that just held them close to whatever happened at that time. Um, but I, but I think it's, you know, hoarding is, um, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's the opposite of hoarding is generosity. Mm. Right. So if you're the stuff that God has given you, the wealth, the whatever, whatever you have, if you have a generous heart, then you're not going to hoard. Yeah. You're going to use those things to point people in his direction. Um, and so I, I, I think it's really helpful for people who have a lot of stuff and have a lot of money. And money doesn't mean a whole lot to somebody who has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't mean as much. Um, but for the, for us that we are very generous with what we have. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, you don't have to be really rich to be generous. Right. You can be generous with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I worked in banking for about seven years before um, I moved to North Carolina and went to seminary. Uh, and I was a loan officer in the Atlanta area. And I would loan money to builders and developers. And in banking, um, particularly, I'm just thinking about fraud here. But mm. in banking, I mean, we deal with issues of fraud all the time. People would come in and kite, you know, practice what's called kiting, kiting checks, which is where they would draw off an account and then um, try to deposit that into another one of their accounts. And they would basically try to take advantage of the day, the couple of day period and use that money before it was actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sneaky right there. People would get in trouble. <laughs> people would get in trouble all the time. And I mean these are these are offenses. Like some some of these issues are federal offenses. Mm. And one of the hard things about being a construction loan officer is that we would I would drive around on Thursdays and go look at all the projects that we were funding. So the houses and the subdivisions that we were um, loaning money on. And then I would inspect the work to see if it was done so that then I would release funds to my customers. Mm-hmm. And then they would take that money and pay their subs. Or so that's how it was supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and then there was always inevitable that I would have a couple of, um, that would have some subcontractors, electricians, plumbers being like, hey, the builder said you guys wouldn't release the funds. And I was like, that's not true. I paid them last week. Yeah. And so what was happening where the builders was taking the money that was meant for the project mm. and they were paying their personal bills or funding their own lifestyle out of that and then stringing their subcontractors out 60, 90, 100 days until the house sold. Mm. But what if it didn't sell? Yeah. What if it, the house didn't sell? You see what I mean? They're, yeah. What we used to call it banking on the come, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you bank on the come and then the come don't come. Mm. And that's when that's when it gets real. And so that's fraud. And that's literally what James is saying right. right here is like, you've kept back those wages. And he says, look at what he says in verse four. He says, the, the money that's the extra money in your pocket that's supposed to be in your labors, that money's actually crying out against you to God. Like, right. and, and he says, it's reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. That's a direct quote from Isaiah five, where Isaiah was saying the exact same thing to the people of God. Then. Dang. And he's saying that, that, that phrase, the ears of the Lord of hosts, the cries of the harvesters and the money in your pocket are both testifying against you to the Lord. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like the oppressed becoming the oppressor in that situation. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, that's earthly wisdom. Yeah. Right. That's the there cycle yeah. of earthly yeah. wisdom. Right. That's right. Is you know, hoard, hoard as much as you can, get as much as you can, cheat other people, do whatever you can to be, a shrewd business person and, you know, make it happen, yeah. use the loopholes, use the, use the things to get as much as you can so you can enjoy your life as much as you can with the stuff that you've acquired. Right. That's the yeah. worldly, like that's the paradigm. You know what I mean? Like that's the, 
the American dream, you know yeah. what I mean? Like let's get as much as you can so you can, you can retire and you can live off of it and you can enjoy your, a few years of your life in your end, you know? And, and what you just said makes total sense if, if God doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense mm. in a world of atheism. Yeah. In a world of mm. survival of the fittest. Right. That makes perfect sense what you just That's said. Right. So if there's <laughs> a cross point attendee listening and they're listening to this or reading through James and this is like bringing a sense of conviction to them, maybe just because it's like to David's point a couple of weeks ago, like you have to go in every room of your house and make sure that it's all God's. Yeah. So if this is a room of someone's house that they're like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing business this way without God. What is there any, what can people do next? Like what's the next step? For sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, I mean, first uh, invite some other people in Yeah. wisdom of, you know, some people that you trust and you care about. Tell them about your situation. There's nothing more scary than sitting down with a, a financial advisor or somebody and telling them, this is what all my bills look like. This yeah. is what my, my savings look like. This is what everything looks like. It's like really coming to bear. But if you, you know, you know you're struggling with some of these things, like to invite somebody who's really wise into your situation mm-hmm. is, is really helpful. And somebody who loves Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who loves Jesus and is really wise and say, hey, I want to honor God with all my stuff, yeah. with every part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been holding this back from him and I want to surrender it to him. And part of that's inviting you into this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'd say the second thing, uh, or another thing, maybe not mm-hmm. linearly, but just another thing would be where when you get those senses of conviction, mm-hmm. then to act on it. And yeah. he would actually, if this is part of a bigger section, if you go back to chapter 4, he says things like, uh, weep, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands of sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That sounds like, oh, he's being so mean. No, what he's saying is is that this is the reality of who we— I mean, he's writing to Christians, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, he, there's an assumption there that when he says things like that, our response is like, yeah, I, I, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. And, yeah. I, and so that's repentance. We've talked about that a few times on this podcast of just like, this is where we turn from— the way we're thinking about this and our actions, and then we turn to God in the way he wants us to live in, in, in light of what he's done for us in Christ. Yeah. So he'll say things like mourn and weep, be wretched. And that sounds all oh, doom and gloom and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, no, you actually can't experience true and good joy and the blessing of life until there's a mourning, until there's a weeping, until that deep conviction settles in. It's like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Right. Because then you can actually turn and get up and go the other way in the power that he su- supplies. And so I, that's where, I mean, and that happens in every area of our life. Yeah. Money is one of the key ways that shows, it, it's one of the key ways that humility is quickly lost. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh yeah, I'll follow Jesus in every area of my life except this one. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's, an, it's yet another tool and a gift you know, money is an evil. The scriptures say the love of money is yeah. the root of all kinds of evils. So this is where it's critical to grab hold of some of those principles, understand what God's doing with money in the world, and then submit it back to him. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think I don't want to spend too much time on money, but I I think to your point, it is, it's just like a pitfall for so many of us. So I'm curious if you guys 
in my preparation for this, I was just thinking about how do I combat all of the selfish desires in me to to hoard my money or to use it for self-indulgence. And for me, I think, PK, you almost said this, but we ha- we have some mentors in our life that when they um, are ever fearful of about money, they intentionally make it a discipline to be generous, to like give money away. It's like an act of surrender. Like I'm going to give this money that I don't even feel like I have away because I trust you as my provider. Do you guys have any kind of really practical things like that that you can share with our listeners? Mm. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, uh, so I had some, we had some mentors. This And this has always been an area for my wife and I, that we just seems like we come back to this conversation over and over and over again because there's a, there's a real part of like knowing what's coming in and what has to go out and then assessing what has to go out. Mm -hmm. That's always the, that's always the question. And it's, you just want to put something on autopilot for the rest of your life. And it's just impossible to do that in any area of life. There's always, you always have to keep assessing, but there's also a sense of like some mentors of ours says like, when it comes to generosity, what are two or three things that are really important to you that are burdens and and just give to those things, Mm -hmm. give to those things. And, and because that helps you when you get hit with all kind of requests too, that you might feel guilt towards like, Oh, I want to help this or I want to help that. It's like, right. well, it's not that I'm not being generous. It's that it's being intentionally directed in some ways. Yeah. And then to all, like, there's another guy I know who he just always keeps a little cash in his, uh, in an envelope in his car. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, so he didn't get robbed, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's just for emergency situations where it's like, man, that person really needs some help. And it's normally in relationship that, that it's like, you know, cause I, I remember one time he was like, Hey, I can't make it across town. Take this money, write a little note. And this is who you're about to give this to, but do not let them know that it's from me because mm-hmm. they'll know if, yeah. And, and it was really cool. Like he brought me in on his own generosity and I yeah. was like, dang, I want to do that. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I just, I, that kind of stuff, uh, um, it really helps to loosen the heart's grip yeah. on what feels like security. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that word feel intentionally. It feels like security. And I think that's what he's getting at here. Yeah, This stuff feels like security. But there's only one real true security. And that's not a Jesus juke. That's a reality for yeah. all eternity. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think I have two things is... Uh, I just had this conversation with our family getting ready for Christmas. You know, it's like there's needs and there's wants, you know, and, and it goes back to some of those desires, you know, and, and for us, we had a family conversation on what are needs and what are wants, you know, and, and, um, and for us, you know, God's given us enough, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that's the part of it where we get caught up in what we want and blurs what we actually need. And so to have that conversation with my family just this past week was, I think was helpful. I hope it was helpful for them. You yeah. know? Um, but I think then also it's just, it is such a great reminder of being a part of uh, a, a church that's super generous, being a part of Crosspoint. And there's a regular reminder for us yeah. of what generosity looks like. There's things we do like the dollar club and um, we've done for the one and we're about to go into a series called heart of gold. And um, there's just regular reminders of generosity 
in the community that I'm a part of. And that inspires me to be generous, Mm. not just to give to my church because I know they're going to, you know, our church is going to use those resources in a way that points people in in Jesus' direction. But uh, but also for me and whatever I have left, you know, that that I can take those things and be generous with a friend who's in need or, you know, if there's an organization that we feel really called to to help that we can give financially to. Mm. Um, But I just love being a part of a church that's so generous. It's just it blows my mind. Yeah. It's like what Kevin said in prayer this week. Generosity begets generosity. Mm -hmm. It seems like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I do want to go back to one thing you asked about yeah. some practical things. If, uh, if there are, if there are issues that, um, that are, have consequences mm. that have, you know, money issues or any sin issues for that matter. I just want to clear up one thing that repentance doesn't mean you get out of consequences. Yeah. Repentance actually means that you're willing to accept whatever consequences come with the actions. Um, because because there's a greater there's a greater desire and a greater reward that comes with being true and honest about your situation before God and others. Yeah. And that's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> it's like, man, I, I God, I, I asked for forgiveness. I surrendered that to you. Then why is why am I still having to deal with this? Yeah. You know, and I, th- I think that's that's something that most of us deal with whenever mm-hmm. we make a choice. And then we do come to a point where we do surrender it to Jesus and we do give it over to him and let let him take care of it. Um, but then there's still the consequences right. that live there that we have to live with in this world. Yeah. You know, that when we chose, we had a choice between right and wrong and we chose wrong. Yeah. Right. You know, we still have to make the path back to right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's things that there's relationships that are hurt. There's uh, bills to be paid. Right. There's, yeah. You know, there's a consequence for those things. That's hard to deal with. It's it's so hard. Yeah. And it's not even like a punishment as much as it's just the natural order of the result of the yeah. consequence of sin, right. you know? Right. So God's not being punitive in letting you deal with the consequences of yeah. your actions. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a, there would be a, it would be a good thing to retrieve that kind of understanding in a holistic sense of yeah. like, Repentance, it gets such a bad rap, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and yet it's the pathway to life because it's the, it's the, it is a, it is a form of death mm-hmm. that leads to new life. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, t- <laughs> let's turn that back. No. no, no, no. I think that all of that, it's, James is building an argument and I love the way that he lands the plan, the yeah, plane, yeah, excuse me. Absolutely. In, and the plan. And, and the, the plan. The, the plan and the right. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> in starting in 13, he gives a long spiel about prayer, but I think it's so interesting that he's almost like doing or yeah, doing for the people that he's talking to what, he's just spent five chapters talking about, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I am correcting you because I love you. And here's, and he just gave us like all of the ways that we need correction, if that makes sense, you <laughs> yeah. know? So, so pray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sing. Yes. Pray and sing. <laughs> when you mess up. Or it just comes back to like the trusting God with whether it's things that you're happy about he says is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise is anyone among you in trouble pray it's like in all situations instead of taking matters into your own hands 
trust the God that has provided you to get this far. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. How, I mean, he kind of hits a few categories, the individual person who's praying there in 13 and, uh, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. So, I mean, in just one verse, he basically hits literally every situation you'll ever encounter. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anything that's hard or causing the temptation to despair, and, and it's like any kind of bad situation, that idea right there is like, you're going to have situations throughout your life that somebody's going to look at and like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Mm. You know, they're wagging their head at you and just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, those things are going, they're coming. He's like, you know what your response is? <laughs> Pray. Because guess yeah. what? You're going to be tempted to not, you're going to be tempted to just try to fix it in your own strength yeah. at that point. Dude, I, I had that happen this past week. Yeah. My son, my son got sick this week mm. yeah. and, uh. He had a appendicitis, and uh, after the doctor told him all about it, we were—I was on the phone with him. My wife took him to to the doctor, and he was just screaming. He was just mm. just sad and crying, and just trying to make sense of it. And in in my my heart, I was like, "Oh man, I just need to fix this. Let's—I'm gonna like fly over here. We're gonna go get him. We're gonna take him to the doctor. We're gonna do all the things." And it just—I heard this small voice like, "Just bring me in." Mm. And so I was like, "Buddy, is it okay if we pray?" Mm. And he was like, yeah, dad, that's fine. You know, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I guess so. laughs> yeah. And so, but after we prayed together, there was like, mm. there, it just kind of removed some of the scariness, you know, yeah. that yeah. we just brought God into the situation and knew that he was going to take care of us and he was yeah. going to provide for us mm. and that he was with us I the whole that. way. Yeah. So good. And you prayed together. I think that's also what's all tied up in this. Is mm-hmm. it, there's a communal aspect to mm-hmm. what James is telling them to do. You didn't say, Cannon, can you pray for yourself real quick?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Have you prayed about it? Buddy? But how yeah. many times how many times in life are we like just dealing with our problems all by ourselves yeah. because we don't invite other people into it when that's yeah. never how things were meant to be? Yeah. Yeah. He says like I, it's awesome. He says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So there's healing and confession, but it's confessing to God and to others. Right. Yeah. It's both. And yeah. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this book called life together and it's phenomenal. And it's a really good treatise on what you just talked about, just how the body of Christ builds up each other and the privilege that it is. Cause mm. he's writing it from jail. Wow. And, Bonhoeffer, uh, his story's really fascinating, but he was in Germany uh, during Hitler and all that. And uh, and he says that we're far too easy on ourselves a lot of times, that we just give ourselves a pass. And so when we confess our sins to one another, it's through the, our brother or through our sister that we experience the goodness and the forgiveness of God. Wow. I'll never forget when I first became a Christian, about six months in, I hope I haven't told this story on the podcast. I do be I do, I do be repeating myself. It's okay. But I remember old man stories. I guess super <laughs> convicted about just like a lot of things that I had done in my home and uh, with my for, like towards my parents, etc., and just things that I just disobeyed. Their what they had kind of laid out in the, and so after about six months of walking with Jesus, I just got super convicted over lots of things, and one of them was like I need to confess like everything to my parents. <laughs> And so I sat down at the dining room table uh, with them, and I remember just like I was red-eyed, like 
blotchy cheeks, just a swollen, like just exhausted, mm-hmm. exasperated, you know. And uh, by the time I was done, just confessing everything that I kind of knew. And I, I just like, I could barely even lift my head. And I looked at my mom and my dad and I was like, we all forgive me, man. <laughs> mm. I'll never forget. They're like, we love you, son. We forgive you. Mm. And like, I knew about the forgiveness of Jesus. I knew about the cross. I, I like, I was already grateful, but that was the first time I tangibly felt yeah. forgiven. Yeah. It, and it lifted this huge weight yeah. off my shoulder that had already been lifted, but it was like the experience that came along with the theology, you know. And I, I'll never, I'll never forget that. Man. Yeah. As long as, and every time I've experienced it subsequently, it's the same. Mm. Yeah, I've never thought about the, just the how tangible it is to feel God's forgiveness when you're experiencing it from a person. It's like he did it on purpose. Or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I think too, it's like the, in that situation, you intentionally broke yourself. Like you were, yeah. who wants to be broken? <laughs> Nobody wants right. to be broken. Like we all want to be whole. We yeah. all want to be together. But in order for us to be the best version of ourselves, to be the follower of Jesus he's called us to be, we have to break ourselves uh-huh. at times yeah. and be vulnerable yeah. And share what's going on in our lives in order for him to put the pieces back together yeah. in, in the way that he wants them. You know, I, was, I, yeah. I got a men's group last night and uh, one of the guys just started sharing some of the stuff that he's struggling with. And it just, it just, his brokenness opened up for other people to be broken. Yeah. And All it takes is one. Man. It's it. Right. It's it. And it was just a beautiful thing of just sharing your heart and being vulnerable and uh, inviting God into and other people into your life and into your situation. It makes us more yeah. uh, whole, makes us more like Jesus. I but think, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. What you gonna say? I was just going to say that it, there, there's no room for shame at that point. Yeah. Because shame forces you into isolation. Mm. It's like you're just receiving. Preach it, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> but it's scary, man, because it's like you don't, you don't get to predict how... I, I couldn't predict how my parents were going to respond. They yeah. could have been like, get out. Yeah, It's a risk. And you like the guy last night or whenever couldn't have res- predicted how you, y'all, y'all could have been like, uh, okay, the group's over. But there was an urgent me as I'm leading it to be like, okay, on to the next thing. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But, yeah. but I was like, man, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to let us into your life. Yeah. And we want to pray for you about that. Yeah. You know, so anybody else want to share anything? Who else wants to be broken? To right. get? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. man, y'all, this has been so good We're running out of time, but before we call it quits, just can y'all summarize James in like three words? Mm. Mm. What? Or maybe what it's been for you. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, admittedly, I, uh, I, you know, every book that I'm in is my favorite book of the Bible, whatever the time right. is. <laughs> and this is the best book ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> On to the next one. But James has always been a little bit of a little bit of an enigma to me, and uh, I think just doing this exercise has given me such a great appreciation for what he's actually trying to say. Yeah. And I think what what set the context for that was understanding that this was written very early in the book of Acts. So that 
he was dealing with things like it, for some reason that helps something click in my heart of being like, oh, okay, he's writing to people who are experiencing Christ. Really, this is uh, this movement is really still new, but they're still very Jewish in their expression of this, mm-hmm. and it just ties in a lot of the Old Testament and just saying, hey, man, like prayer and community and accountability. Like these things are right and good because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Mm -hmm. And he just does it in really powerful, uh, in a powerful way. Almost like he's, this is like a sermon in some ways. It feels like it where he's just like coming, you know, I'm like, yeah, like preach it, James, come on. So I I don't know. For me, it's just been, it's given me a such a greater appreciation for this letter than perhaps I've ever had. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I've always loved James. So I've always just uh, gravitated to James. Just I, I think it's just the action-oriented version of our faith. That, mm-hmm. The G.I. Joe. Um, the G.I. Joe, <laughs> let's just get after it. Let's get some stuff done, you know? That's what I like to do. But, um, but, I, but I think that, like, uh, something that's kind of been revelation to me was that this book was written to Christians who already had a baseline of faith and that this was a... Um, let's take this to the next level yeah. kind of a thing. And so just this reminder of um, if I um, if I don't take action on what I believe, maybe I don't actually believe mm. what mm. I say I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that reminder to me uh, isn't uh, a weapon to beat myself with. It's uh, an ongoing process where I am repenting. Yeah. You yeah. know, where I'm, I can read this and I can go, man, I was... I'm killing it in these areas in my life, but man, I am missing it here. Yeah, and that's okay to miss it and to admit that you've, you're missing it, missing it in an area, and then go and I'm going to take some action on that. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on these things in my life because I know that I want to be uh, I want to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to honor Him with my life. I want people to see my life and go, man, I want that kind of Jesus. Yeah. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be Jesus to other people. Yeah. So yeah. that's just, it's just been a great reminder of, to me um, to put into action what I believe. Yeah. How about you? Mm. Got her. Got her. You were just asking questions. I know. Just drop it on us. And then. I think I was driving in this morning and just thinking about there's like, I think I've, I've loved James, but it's also kind of felt like almost like a spiritual spanking, like you got to do better type of thing. That's probably not like the best way to describe it, but it's not a weapon. Right. And I think these conversations have just helped me see God's love and his heart for us. Like correction and discipline are not a bad thing. Yeah. And this just gives me like handles to know how I think I love the how practical it is we've all talked about that but yeah I think it's um my view on the book of James has shifted to be more loving Mm. is Hebrews before James I think it yeah it's the book right before so in Hebrews 3 he's uh no Hebrews 12 Google I see the gears. I've been waiting to say, okay, Google, this whole six weeks. (laughs) In Hebrews 12, he's quoting Proverbs 3, and he says, God disciplines those he loves. Yeah. Mm. And so it would be unloving for me to not discipline my kids. Right. I don't care about y'all. You don't need correction. He says God disciplines those that that he loves. Mm. And that helps that helps frame what you just said. Yeah. This is this is a way that God's love manifests to us. That's how much he loves us. 
He's the best dad you could the ever best. imagine. The best. He's the best. He's way better than me. He's way better <laughs> He's than you. Way better. He's way better than us. You know, like, yeah. He's the best dad you can possibly imagine. Yeah. He cares about you more than you can ever even fathom. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I Thank think you, that is a great place to land. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Movement Podcast. This coming Sunday, we are launching a new series called Heart of Gold, and we're super excited to share that with you guys. We've had so much fun creating this additional content for you guys, and we're so thankful for the feedback that you've shown us and excited to create more. We've actually already begun working on our Advent devotional, which will be available for our Christmas series coming up in just a few weeks. So you'll be able to find that both online and we'll have a hard copy in our lobbies on November 13th that you can check out. If you are interested in going back and listening to this podcast, you can do that at crosspoint.tv slash movement, where you'll find our previous messages and our previous podcast episodes. And if you don't already follow us on social media, please do that to help stay in the loop on all things Crosspoint. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crosspoint.tv.